Hey, it's Brian here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Gobi More podcast. For those of you who've never heard of Gobi More Apparel, I just want to take a moment to tell you what we're about. We believe we all have a responsibility to chase our dreams, and we want to give you the motivation, the mindset, and the permission to do it. We want our apparel to be a constant reminder of your commitment to achieving your goals. We want the words Gobi More to remind you of your dreams and your next steps every time you see them. As for this podcast, every Tuesday I speak with John Rankin, world-class miler, kidney disease survivor, and founder of Gobi More, about topics that will help to unlock your potential and get you moving forward. Every Friday we interview a special guest to learn more about their Gobi More journey. In this episode, we continue on last week's discussion of the 80-20 rule. I discuss the importance of having different strategies based on how much value we expect to get, namely that we need to maximize the 20% activities and minimize the rest of 80%. We also look at other activities that fit an 80-20 mindset, like using the just one challenge to overcome the inertia of getting started, using environmental triggers to help keep you going, and using rough drafts, outlines, and templates to get more bang for your buck. I had a great time recording this episode, and I hope it inspires you to think differently about how you prioritize your time and effort. And on one other note, John participated in a panel discussion on race and running hosted by UCAN. You can see that on our blog or Facebook page. All right, on to the episode. Hey, John, how you doing? Brian, I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm really good. I have had a good week. It's really hot here, really hot and humid, and I don't have really air conditioning. I have it, but it doesn't work well, and it's just brutal, but it's oh, so no. much better for me than the winter time where it's really freezing and, and I'm always really cold and, and stuff, so I, I kind of prefer the heat to the cold anyway. I can't really complain too much. Well, shameless plug, you should be wearing, you could wear your Gobi More hoodie in the cold. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, you know, that's true. <laughs> we should we should even maybe say that we have a new embroidered hoodie that's going to be on the store. So like people, when they hear this, can go check out the store and check out the new embroidered hoodie. So there you go. Another not so shameless plug. Like, well, see, that's yeah. the thing. We totally don't even do it that often. So I don't no, feel we don't. that much shame. So even when I say it, I don't really mean it. <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> I totally want everybody to get a hoodie, even though it's hot. You know, yeah, I sleep exactly. in my I sleep in my hoodie and just because it's so comfortable. <laughs> no, well, I know, don't. But I, I'm just saying that because it sounds cool. <laughs> I was going to say to you, you know, one of the things that we talked a lot about before is that you back in December we were talking a lot about the idea of just one, and I thought I'd share this with you because. Uh, we haven't talked about it too much, and I really want to pursue this again. And and I'm putting it out there in public because I think there's so yeah. much. It's so powerful, and I just don't think we've done what we need to do on it. So I'm putting it out in public. We're going to figure this out. But I will tell you that I adopted the just one philosophy about doing my my push-ups way yeah. back. On literally, it was January 1st. It was December 31st, January 1st when when I decided to do it. And oh, you're a New Year's I, resolution kind of guy. It was kind of like a new. Well, it's I'm not really, but <laughs> but that's that's when we were launching it, and that's when I when I right. did it. And and I wanted, I just was thought I'd tell you, I have not missed a day since then. And and just that simple prompt of all I have to do is one push up. So just get down and do it. And now I'm at the point where I'm doing 40 push ups or I'm doing sets of 10 because what the reality is, I get down and I just I just do a push up. I do more, right? But but I have twice in the in the course of the last few months had days where for whatever the reason was, I just said, I just don't feel like it. And I literally got down, I did one push up, and I just called it a victory. And I just moved on. And I didn't really stress it. And so I bring this up because my daughters are totally fascinated by this right now. And Rain really? asked me yesterday, if she could wake up early and do push ups with me. 
And, and I said, sure, you know, that's fine if you really want to. So I woke her up an extra 20 minutes early. And this morning we did some push-ups, we did some sit-ups, we did some squats. And she wants to get up every morning and do like little exercises with me. And it's, the whole idea is, well, if you don't really feel like doing it, we'll just, we'll just do one, you know? And, and so I don't know, I thought I'd share it with you because it's something that came out of me building routines that come out of these conversations we do with Gobi Moore and these little tiny strategies that we talk about that we, we promote to people. But uh, I haven't really shared that I actually do them, right? That, that actually, it, it, it's really worked for me. And uh, I forget to share that. Like, I, I, I should be talking about it more and I never do. And and so I thought I'd take this moment just to share it with you. And this is the first time you've heard it too, probably. Yeah, no, and it... Well- uh, no, you mentioned it before, but I mean, not not all, uh, in, in that full detail. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I didn't realize you had started on January 1st. I mean, we've had the funniest conversations about the whole idea of the of doing just one push up and, and how just one push up can literally change your life. Like, I, I love saying that. I love saying things like that because yeah. it's actually true, though. It's actually true. One thing, one push in the right direction, just one nudge can literally change your life. And sometimes it's as simple as getting down and just on the ground and doing one push-up, you know, and, and, and doing that every day and, and starting, just opening the door to the possibility of actually getting in shape. So it's really and, cool that you're doing it. I was, I was going to ask you what you've been doing because you starting to look like The Rock. And yeah, I was well, like, wait a minute, is The swole. Rock on the I'm podcast with us, If man? people saw me... I'm I'm like 300 pounds and you know no it's uh, a <laughs> um, we bo- we both wish we're we're the exact opposite of that yeah exactly but you know what's funny is the other day I looked up Ryan Hall and I realized like he has gotten so serious about lifting weights and stuff he's huge now and he was oh, he was, he looked like me when he was a runner super skinny and now he's so big and, and then I showed my wife a picture and she's like when are you gonna when are you gonna start lifting weights like that and I was like, oh, <laughs> thanks <damn>. Ryan yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, he is. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 crossing our fingers, we hope that we get to connect with Ryan and, and his wife Sarah. The two good friends of mine, um, just love them to death. They're such great people. I, I, I can't wait to. Hear, I want to hear the story behind all that, and I want to hear what Sarah thinks of it because <laughs> Ryan is is uh, he looks amazing. First of all, he's such a dedicated uh, human being to whatever he does. I mean, he's the. Is he still the American record holder? In American the record marathon? holder for the half marathon. He's run the fastest marathon ever, even though I think technically it didn't qualify as a as an official time because oh, of the course right, because even the wind two hundred four, two hundred four, right? Yeah, two hundred four, fifty nine or something. Yeah, he, he I was mean, like the best marathon, fastest marathon runner in the world, and now he looks like a UFC fighter. And you wouldn't even know that he was a marathoner <laughs> you if you think. just saw him. And um, I wonder if he did the one push up a day thing. You know? Yeah, probably right. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think he has proven that I don't have to be this skinny, but now I have to decide, do I want to do the work to not be this skinny? <laughs> I've always thought about like, oh, what would it be like to have muscles? And now well, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to Ryan and ask him. Um, yeah, yeah. No, but so... I, 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 I agree with you about the, the, or I'm excited to hear about your experience with the Just One uh, we call it the Just One Challenge. It, it's it is like a systematic approach. I believe that you can come up with a the re, without a doubt you could do a Just One Challenge with anything. And I've been applying Absolutely. the Just One approach more and more every single month since we really started promoting it. Another shameless plug: we do have a 
uh, a couple of different unique t-shirt just one challenge t-shirts that you can get yeah. that people actually are really loving uh, i had quite a few people that i was at a track meet and just showing off our apparel we had like a booth and and a couple of middle-aged women were huge fans of the just one challenge shirt and I mean, they were so excited. They actually wanted to buy, they loved the Gobi Moore shirts, but they wanted to buy that instead because it actually made them think about an approach to t- their life and, 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 a, and a message they wanted to share with their, 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 their kids, actually. So there's something special about the Just One Challenge and the concept. It does work. I believe that I've been able to be more productive with everything that I'm trying to do with Gobi Moore and outside of Gobi Moore because it just helps me to get started and one of our very first episodes, I think our very first episode was about getting started. That's right. And uh, I think the Just One Challenge is going to be something that catches on eventually. And I, I'm excited. I'm glad you brought it up. It's fun to talk about. You know how much I love it. So, Yeah, well, you know, yeah. the, the things I want to talk about in the podcast today, the official sort of topics is one, first is I want to do a little bit of follow up on the 80-20 rule, which is our topic from, from last week that we talked about. And Okay. And, and then I want to actually talk about having tough conversations. And I think... Oh, no. Um, what do you want to tell me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do this on air, John. <laughs> <laughs> so the the thing I, I just realized as we're talking about this, it wasn't prompted, but you know, the 80-20 rule says that 20% of your effort is going to lead to 80% of your results, right? There's right. a disconnect between cause and effect. They're related, but they're dis- disproportional. If you identify the most important work to be do to be done, you will generate the majority of your results in a smaller amount of time. And sometimes doing the rest isn't even necessary. That kind of depends on on what your goal is, right? Like it depends on what you need to do to, to to be successful. But you know, the just one challenge for me in some ways has been like a little 80/20 rule thing. Like the 20% mm. the 20% that leads me to do the exercise is literally just getting on the floor. Right, like getting on the floor and doing one push-up is the twenty percent that triggers eight, like eighty percent of my success in my routine. And I would say there's another part of it is just being consistent about when you do it, because the hardest thing about something like an exercise routine is if you don't have any consistency around the routine, right? When you do it and how you and how you do it, there's a lot of a lot of friction gets. We talked about this on another podcast too. There's a lot of friction that gets created by trying to just fit it in randomly, your exercise, whenever, you know, whenever in the day something opens up, there's always something that's going to make that harder. But if you can create a routine, you remove that friction and you can, you can be very systematic about doing whatever level of work you want to do. It could be one push up, It could be one set. It could be a 30 minute exercise routine. It could be training like an Olympian, like whatever those is, you have to do that consistently. The creation of the routine removes a lot of the friction that holds you back from being successful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, I think those are like 80, 20 ideas, right? When we talk about 80, 20 rule and we're talking about, you know, if you can, if you want to do a little bit of exercise, one of an, an 80, 20 rule type of approach is to say, well, when am I going to do this exercise? Like I'm let, let's carve out this 20 minutes and we're going to do the, the exercise every time at this time. And so like for me, I, I generally think the best time to do it is right when you get up. If you're, if you're doing light exercise, you know, just some push-ups, sit-ups, something like this. Yeah. For me, it works well to just get up and do it because it also sort of energizes me, wakes me up, it gets me going for the day, that kind of thing. But the other time that has always worked really well for me is to do it before I take a shower. Like, and I might take a shower in the evening, especially in the summer when it's hot, you want to rinse off because it's, you know, hot and sweaty or something. It's like, well, I'll just do my, I'll do some of these routines for five minutes before I take a shower. And then it, it just kind of fits for me. Like, that might not work for other people, but I feel like... um 
thinking in those terms of being consistent and 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 a, tying your exercise and in this case we're talking exercise to to some other aspect of your day it can help you to to establish a consistent routine that will ultimately create the outsized benefits for you right yeah does that make sense yeah you got to set yourself up for success and i think Absolutely. that you got to find where it will work for you and it's got to be something that works for you you don't 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 compare yourself to other people or how other people will go about doing it if it works because if you can get it in just be in and it and it's works best right before the shower you take a shower or right when you wake up then that then do it like the point is that you need to do it you know you, you need to get it in and and there's got to be a strong like we talked about as well a strong why which helps you to also want to actually even make the effort in the first place even one push-up is hard for people and it has nothing to do yeah. or very little to do with the fact that it's hard it's because of two key things that you talked about one key thing was uh, friction you know if something is making doing something even as simple as doing one push-up hard a lot of times it might just be psychological you got to remove that and if it's something like where I always do a push-up before I take a shower, before I hop in the shower, before I undress and hop in the shower, then that's great. Did that make that a part of your shower routine? Because you know you're going to take a shower. So it's almost like, where can you do it? Where can you implement it where there's very little to no friction? And that's what exactly. you're describing, at least in this particular scenario with the just one push-up. You're like, I could do it before the shower every time because I'm going to take a shower. And why not? It's... Perfect. You know, I can get a little sweaty, hop in, rinse off, be clean and get two things done at once. Absolutely. And, you know, there's some other things you can do. Obviously, you, the, the classic thing is to have a giant calendar with check boxes on it or something that, that you, you see your, your consistency. All these things really work. Like yeah, physical objects in your environment that remind you of what you're trying to do. I mean, that's one of the things we always talk about with our clothing is we want people to think of it as the reminder for the thing that they're pursuing, right? When they see the shirt in their drawer or when they're wearing the shirt, it's going to consistently prompt them to remember what it is they're actually trying to achieve and what it is they're trying to do. But I think, you know, it could be, we, we've written about this in other articles, as simple as a keychain. It could be, it could be a, a sticky note on your, on your bathroom mirror. It could be a calendar on the wall with check marks saying every day you've done your pushups, whatever these things are. If you add these physical reminders into your, daily experience they they boost your motivation they they help to remove the friction they help to keep you focused on what you're trying to do and, and they're subtle they're, they're 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 small things they're pretty easy to implement they're, there's nothing really difficult about them it's just mm -hmm. about accepting that they will help you and and making the initial effort to put them in like to, to implement them and to, to start start doing them so quick question for you why did you implement the just one push-up what was so important to you or what a made you want to do it and commit to it? Hmm. I think there are areas, uh, in this case, the push-up was the one that struck me, right? Because I, I used to have a good routine, especially uh, in the past, of doing push-ups, sit-ups, like light exercises, I don't know, squats, ba very really basic routines. Like I, I was never yeah. a big weightlifter. You know, I never did a lot of weight training or any of that stuff, but I would do these basic um, body weight type of exercises, you know? And over time, I started to stop doing them. And also, I kind of stopped running. And part of that was due to an injury in my leg. And I used to tie my exercises to my running. So I would run every day. And then the exercises would be tied to the workout, either right before I went on the, on the run or right after. I would, I would have like a rule for myself that I'm always going to do at least one set of sit-ups and push-ups and all these stuff for every run. 
Yeah. And then when I stopped running, I just kind of dropped those other things too. And that goes back to this whole conversation of tying things to, to other aspects of your daily routine, you know? And the just one challenge, I just looked at it and I said, you know, the hardest thing to do is get started. But if you only have to commit to one, it's much, it feels, it feels easier to get started. It's still like getting down on the ground to do 10 pushups and getting down on the ground to do one pushup, like getting down on the ground is the same amount of effort, like no matter what, either way. But yeah. if you, if you're, if you only have to commit to doing one, maybe it's easier to do. And I just sort of decided I'd give it a try. To be honest, it was like, I be- I believe from what I'd studied in psychology and what I'd my own experience that it should work. But I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to try. And, and I started doing it then. And I never had the intention to only do one a day. I always had the intention to build up and get back to being doing a consistent, you know, uh, uh, um, push up routine and, and all this stuff. But I also sort of looked at it and said, you know, I'm super skinny. I'm, I'm like really skinny. If you saw me, you'd think I was like a white, a white Kenyan or something, right? Like I, I have no body mass at all, <laughs> right? And I always sort of felt like, oh, you know, I should, I should get a little bit stronger. I should be better about these routines, you know, for just for my general health. I, fig- I figured it was a good way to, to both test our sort of ideas uh, in person and to yeah. push me to do stuff that I sort of knew I needed to do, but I was having trouble maintaining consistency around. That's cool. I mean, I think that a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. And, you know? and I, like you said, I do the same thing as well. Uh, in, in a lot of different areas, I've started to think in terms of like just one stuff. I, I use it a little bit differently in like every day. I'm going to try to write something like just one. I'm just going to sit. I'm going to try to write whatever it is. It might be one sentence. If that's all I get. If that's all I get written, like whatever, I'm going to every day, I'm going to write just one I don't know. I, I I don't even have a thing. It's just I'm going to write every day, and and but I allow myself to have a day where I don't really make a lot of progress, and it's just one sentence. That's fine. But I I have to be consistent about trying to maintain the writing because I think that consistency is much more important than any particular output in one day. That's that's I think that's the 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 critical aspect of the the idea uh, or the system that that just one will, I believe, eventually evolve to become. I think it's going to be something way more than just like a daily challenge. I mean, or maybe it's a, a daily challenge, but it's a systematic, way, you know, approach is, to doing things. And we call it a challenge because I think we almost need to be challenged and like to take on challenges because we almost approach it differently than just, oh, here's a task. It's like, no, we're going to turn that task into a challenge. I, I challenge yeah. you to be able to do that one push-up uh, today. And I'm like, what, man, I could course i could do it you know and then you want to do it you want to prove somebody wrong or prove yourself right but i think it's i think it's one of those things where it's difficult to it's hard to also accept you said something about uh being okay with a limited amount of progress or not making a lot of progress and i think that that's where the minimum is it's important to have a minimum and a maximum right in terms of like what you're going to try to get done and and with something and any project or task, if it's a workout routine, a workout, having a minimum and a maximum. And this was actually really interesting because I got this from Coach Peterson. I remember okay. in college at UCLA, where we were our, our alma mater, Go Bruins, um, I remember going through training with, with, with the team. And I, rem- I don't know specifically at what point in my career it happened. I mean, but I believe you were still there when this came up. I don't know if it was a question from a team member or what, but Coach Peterson said, you know, gosh, you know, don't worry about trying to get in X number of miles or trying to hit all the reps, you know, in terms of a, a, a set of 
10 by 400 meter repeats. He says, man, you know, I want you to get at least six. The goal is 10, but yeah. give me at least six, you know? Yep. And if you get six, you completed the workout is, and, and, and I'm super happy with that. Like that's the minimum. Just give me six at this pace. And if you can go anything beyond six, max 10, perfect, you know? And I don't remember hearing that in the beginning when I first started at UCLA. I, I'm, I'm assuming that was always a philosophy of his or something that he was cool with, but it wasn't at least I, maybe I missed it. Maybe I was sleeping when no. he said it. I don't know. Well, I don't know. But, I think like, I think that's, I think Eric was good or, or got good at it. I, cause I agree. I, I think he did that with me too. Like when I would do these, mine was different instead of you were doing more middle distance stuff. I was doing long, just like seven mile tempo runs on the track. Right. And, and he would say, we're going to try to hit this pace try to hit it at least for five miles and then if you can do it we're going to go for seven right and and it was like set yeah. the minimum, and then everything else is a bonus and there's a lot of power to that to setting a minimum so much you power feel so much you feel so successful when you when you go beyond the minimum even if the minimum is an artificial minimum it's like you're setting that minimum and you know you should be able to do seven miles the real workout is seven miles maybe and that's what you really want to hit but it's you have knowing that it there's a spot where it's okay that it is enough like that is a that is sufficient gives you both the ability to build in more success and then emotionally i really believe this like doing more than is necessary is a good feeling it you feel better and it it it, it creates energy for you to be able well, to do to have those experiences he's a genius then because i was only thinking <laughs> of one side cuz i was i was only thinking of one side i was just thinking well he was setting you up for success because he's like, I, I think it was three things. Number one, it gives you a boost because you go, well, okay, I can, I can hit the minimum. Like I have a minimum. Yeah. Okay. I can hit a minimum. So already yeah. you're like, you already feel like you can do it. So like that's a, number one boost in your head. I could, I could do it. Cause you're like five to seven. Well, okay. I can at least hit five. Then I'm good. Okay. Cool. 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 I could do that. So you're motivated to hit the five for sure. Uh, the second thing is if you at least get to the five and, and you stop, you feel like you were successful. A lot of times when we were doing workouts, you, you know, and this happens across the board. It wasn't just our experience. This is a general experience uh, in in sports and specifically for sure for runners is when you don't complete the workout written as is, Ooh, that's a devastating blow to your mind, you know, and we, and, and we do this across every area of our life. So that was, that was another one where he's like, okay, if I can at least have them walk away from the workout feeling successful, Bing, another bonus. And then the third thing is, imagine if not only did you you get your minimum, not only do you know for sure, even if you stopped at five, you, or, you know, if that was the minimum five to seven miles was the yeah. was the workout, and, and, and you go, get past five, and then you hit seven, man, you walk away feeling like a king. So Absolutely. now you got three big things. Number one, you, you, you're motivated because you, get, you, you know that there's a minimum that you know you can hit. Number two, if you only hit the minimum, you're good, and you walk away feeling successful, even if you didn't go to the maximum. And if you hit the maximum, man, you walk away feeling like you're on top of the world, you know? So it's amazing how that minimum could change everything. It's a good strategy for anybody who's obviously coaching, but even as I feel like a manager or for a, I, probably a parent, right? I'm I think through this, you know, like establishing. Oh yeah, it's true. I, we, got, we got our like, little babies. So yeah. <laughs> but establishing that, that success can be a range, right? That is in a very empowering concept for the people who are doing the work. And 
even if you go as a, as a coach, like the thing about coaching, which all coaches and athletes know, is that the workout is a is a best guess at what you can do. When the coach writes the workout, he doesn't know if you woke up with a headache that day. He doesn't know if you're a little bit under the weather. He's looking at what you've been doing as a, or she, right? The coach is looking at your progress and they're saying, I think this feels like a good workout. And the point of the workout is to stretch you to your limits. So you're, the coach is making a guess as to what your limits are and then trying to craft a workout to push you to your limits. Of course, the coach isn't going to get that right every time. There's no reason you should you should nail every workout the coach is doing. If that's if you're mm. nailing every workout your coach is doing, then that means your coach is underestimating your ability and not and not actually oh, getting you to true. that point. I was so, gonna say that this means because I'm just so dang good. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is this is this this sort of concept of the idea that the 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 best possible workout. Well, that's that's a stretch goal. Like that's not, that's not the only goal of the workout. Setting the minimum, the expectation is the goal of the workout. And the stretch goal is, is the bonus, right? Like that's, that's where we want to get to. If, if, if you're, if you're feeling it on the day and if the workout's going well and everything's going well. And I just think there's, there's a lot of opportunity to think in these terms when you're working with in in a company, for example, with your team and having somebody say, you know, I need this deliverable. I think I need you to have it to this level by this time. And if you anything more that you can do, that's that's a bonus, right? Like that's great. But we need to get to this by by Friday. And then mm. when that person shows up and not only has that, but they have a little bit more, you create a situation where that person's feeling great about their work and you're able to really say, like, this is fantastic. Like I I I love that you got this far on this, you know, given that you know, it's, this is farther than, than we maybe need it. Right. So anyway, I think this makes a lot of sense. Honestly, it's, it's, it's funny that we, we've gone down this, this sort of a uh, totally different path for this conversation. And I really, but I really like this because it's, I really, I, I talk a lot about with my students and with people about the idea of creating systems for being successful. And the thing about a system for being successful is that you're not trying to hit a stretch goal uh, or you're not trying to hit a North Star goal. You're not trying to hit this big thing. What you're trying to do is on a daily basis, you're trying to execute well in a way that that is productive, that it's effective, that it's moving you forward, right? And a lot of systems, uh, what, what we're describing here, like setting a minimum, that is a great system for designing a training program, right? Mm-hmm. I want you to run at least four miles. If you feel good, you can go up to six. Every runner who hears that is going to go run at least five miles, right? They're going to, and if they're having a terrible day, they'll stop at four, maybe. But if they're not having a terrible Hopefully. day, they, yeah, they'll go a little farther and they'll come in feeling great. And I think there's a lot of power to 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 designing things, designing these sort of minimums and designing these systems in place. Actually, I want to share a story with you that I don't know if you know because I think you were you you must have been at UCLA or it might have been the summer before you arrived, so you you might not know this. So I had a uh, an average third year so I was in school for five years in my in my third year I was sort of average uh, in in the western regional cross-country race I finished in the 40s or 50s my track season was so I didn't run particularly fast in any of the events I didn't have I don't I don't think I had any personal bests and I was very frustrated and I remember having a conversation with Eric because this was the year when uh, coach Larson retired and Eric took over the men's team mm. And so the previous year, my, my, my third year, my sophomore year, I finished like 40th or 50th in the regionals. And there was another guy from, I think it was UC Irvine, but it might have been Santa Barbara. He qualified for NCAA Nationals as an individual. And I looked at him and I thought, there's no way that that guy should be better than me. But he's 
but he's qualifying for nationals and I'm not, you know, and, and I had this conversation with coach Peterson in the summer. We're talking about my summer training program and coach Peterson had this really detailed outline training program for me, for everybody, right? Here's, here's a, here's a program you can do over the summer to come back in great shape and, and be a superstar in, in the fall. Right. And the problem was that I had an, a seven week backpacking trip planned with Martin to go to Europe and we were going to go from I think, Portugal. I do remember this. Okay. Yeah. So, so we, were, we, we went from Portugal to Spain, to France, to, to the Netherlands, to Denmark. And we, we did this whole thing for seven weeks. And mm. um, coach hands me the training program like that he's thinking for the summer. And I'm just like, oh, crap. Like, I, I, I don't even know where I'm going to be staying. Like, I was just winging it on this trip, you know, backpacking, finding a place to stay, whatever. And, and here's the, the key thing, and I talk about this in terms of systems, and I, and I think it relates to the idea of the minimums, right? Is we had a conversation, and I told him, I'm worried about this because I don't know if I can do this. Like, there's days where you have interval sessions planned and stuff, right? And I, I don't know if I'll be near a track. And, and he literally took it, and I think he just, he just scrapped the whole thing. He said, you know what? Don't even worry about this. He said, here's your new training plan for the summer. Go to Europe. Every day, I think, no, it wasn't every day. It was five days a week. Make sure you run. Run as much as you feel you can run. Run as hard as you feel you, you want to run. Mix in some harder runs with easier runs. And there's no mileage requirements or anything. Just run as much as you feel you can run and enjoy your trip. That was it. Like It was like five times a week, as much as you feel you can run. And I was really skeptical of this because... He had a training program, which was like a really thought out training program. Like, give it back. <laughs> yeah, and then he sort of just like took it away from me. And he was like, just run. Just all you have to do is just run. I went to Europe and, and I think he was right. I would not have been able to execute that training program in, in Europe. Trying to do that would have ruined my trip and would have, and I would have been, I would not have been effective training anyway. Right. So what I did is I got to Europe. And Martin and I would wake up in the morning and we'd be like, let's go for a run. Like if it was a rainy day, we skipped the day. Like whatever, we don't care. We're in Europe. We're not going to, we're not going to stress. We have to run five times a week, you know? And we would, some days we ran 10 miles. Some days we ran three. We, we ran inside the cities. We ran out in nature. We ran wherever we felt like running. And the, the craziest thing about this is I came back in really good shape, right? Like I actually was in really good shape because I, all I had to do was run like as much as I felt like running. So some days I ran 12 miles, you know, I, I did run hard and I came back and that was the season I had my biggest breakthrough and I, I came back in s such good shape. But I've always believed that it wasn't the actual training. Like there were lots of athletes who actually did more mileage and actually trained harder than me with programs like the one Eric had originally created. But what the difference was for me is I felt like a champion when I came back. Like I felt like I did something that nobody else would have done, which is trained my butt off while having an amazing trip. Like I fit in all the runs. I felt like I was, I, I had such a good training program and mm -hmm. I don't know. I always felt, I always attributed a lot of my success to feeling like I did the work. Even though if you like, if you analyze my training program with everybody else's, you might see lower mileage and you might see less intensity, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think that's amazing. I think it's an amazing story because I, I feel like there's so much value in the psychological aspect of, again, kind of feeling like you did, you did enough, and that you actually accomplished something as well. I, I, I feel like you gotta believe in what you're doing. It was, it's the craziest thing to think I'm gonna work really, really hard. 
and do all of the work. Like you can have two people do exactly the same work workouts, have the same exact results for an extended period of time in preparation for the same exact competition. And one person performs better than the other. And let's say they're even of equal talent. Well, if everything is the same, why did one person perform better than the other? I always believe that a lot of times, unless there was some unforeseen circumstance health-wise, it's mental. Yeah, It's mental. I think that one person believed in what they were doing and believed that they were capable of achieving the goals and, and performing, and the other person didn't. And, and honestly, I've seen it time and again. I mean, a lot of people think what happened to me when I had my breakthrough, it wasn't magic. It was literally yeah. like I hit the reset button in my head and I let go of all of that BS, all of that baggage of expectations and wanting things to be a certain way and, and thinking things should be a certain way and looking at looking at things a certain way my, by limited perspective. And I just said, ah, I'm just going to run. And all of a sudden, boom, you know what's number funny one is, in the world. And I'm like, said, it's just been waiting. the whole. It was sitting there waiting the whole time for me to get the heck out of my own way, you know? <laughs> So in a very in a very similar way, I had the same type of experience where I was just I was maybe the opposite. Actually, I, let's say I was just running and just kind of doing whatever the coaches told me to do. And then I started studying in school topics around learning theory and improve and the way the way improvement happens and, and psychology and other stuff. And I started to realize like, oh, there's like research that says I'm not really limited by like what the things that I think are limiting me, they're not actually limiting me. These are, these yeah. are make believe beliefs in my head, right? Like that I, I've, I've adopted them or I've created them and I'm allowing these beliefs to hold me back. And all the time. We're doing that all the time. Yeah. Once I shifted and I said, you know what? Like if, if these researchers and these coaches and all these people are saying that this works, then of course I should believe it works. And once I shifted and assumed, I think I really assumed that I had more than enough talent to achieve what I wanted to achieve it led to a lot of the breakthroughs, right? Like these things all happened together. This, this, this story about the summer, you know, followed my first introduction to all these topics and these, and these concepts. So mentally I was ready to accept the idea that I, I had a much more talent than I thought before or than that I considered for myself. And that if I just do the work, it will pay off because the, the whole process is, it's all understood. It's all the research is there. Like you, if you do certain behaviors, it will lead to certain results. And I just accepted it. And I trained that way over the summer and I came back and hit the ground running and felt great. And, and of course, you know, stayed injury free, all these other things that have to happen to sort of maintain these, your momentum. Right. But a lot of this, now we're coming back to this idea of, of the minimums. And I think for much of our lives, we don't need to pursue the maximum. There are areas where we do. There are areas where we should pursue the maximum, right? Like, but I think getting the minimums right, it, it sets you up to not only have the foundation to pursue the maximum, but it also just sets you up for feeling successful all the time, right? Like if you're, if, if you've, if Which you've is built huge. a system, it's huge. It's so like, that's when you think about why so many people are are struggling often it's because they don't feel like they're making progress and, <laughs> ah, right like that's it it's so right? crazy like but it's true yeah and if you can make progress this incremental thing where you see it every day and you're not looking for the big bang you're not looking for the big the big thing if you can accept incremental progress and build it into your life 
you get this routine. It gets every day. You're starting to feel every day. It's like, yeah, you got it done again. Yeah, I got it done again. Got it done again. If whether if it's training, it's another good workout, another good workout, another good workout. I'm kicking, I'm, I'm killing it. I've got two weeks in a row of just of good workouts. If you're talking about like the push-up stuff for me, it's like, hey, every day I'm on a streak. I'm on a streak of like a hundred and something days. I don't, I don't even know what the count is anymore. I'm 150 days in a row or something of doing, of doing my push-ups. And, and it, it it's just because I accepted that, well, you know, doing one push-up is enough. Anything more than that is a bonus. So every day I feel like I killed it on my push-ups because I did way more than one. Right? <laughs> and, yeah. And it motivates me to keep doing them. And I feel like this in your work, in your family life, if you can build these, these consistent successes in, it just changes how you feel. And when you change how you feel, you're willing to take on more. You're willing to push for more. You're willing to try to do more because you already have this bank of success that's that's there, right? Like it's, even if you try to do something bigger and it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter because you already have these other successes that you've just baked into your day. It's like having a sailboat sitting in uh, in, in the ocean, right? And, and the ocean's completely still and there's no wind uh-huh. and you want to get somewhere. And the the minimum doing that one push-up is like getting a little bit of a burst of wind to blow into your cell and start getting you moving. And every time you do a push-up, it pushes the boat a little bit further along and it pushes it further every push-up a little bit more. And if you do more push-ups every day, it gives it a little bit more, a little bigger gust of wind and a little bit, you make a little bit more progress. And maybe what you're trying to work towards if you're doing the one push-up a day is to get that boat. Every time you do the push-up, you're just creating more and more of that wind to eventually get to that place where the shoreline is being fit, being healthier than you were before getting to a place where you actually are healthy because that was your goal and and your intention for so long. But the idea of getting to the shoreline was like, oh my gosh, it's so far away. But it's like, you literally need to think about it as doing one push-up at a time because what is 300 push-ups made up? of it's made up of literally doing one push-up 300 times so right. yeah <laughs> you got to do one push-up anyway and if you're not well if you really want to do 300 you got to do just one first i know that you wanted to talk about well, difficult yeah, conversations so I'm, I'm excited for uh well, all of us to hear what you wanted to tell us Brian. no let's it's, let's it's do this <laughs> I, because i don't want to try to do a two-hour podcast let's talk a little bit about the 80 20 rule that the follow-up saying things because i do think it relates and i love that we're talking about minimums and i think that it's a perfect way to think about 80 20 rule and to dive into that and then we'll save the other topic for another podcast that's fine right so one of the things about the 80 20 rule is that it basically says 20% of what you do is going to create 80% of your results. And the other 80% of what you do is only going to generate 20% of your results. So your 80% of your time you spend might only give you 20% of the benefits. And so focus on the top 20%, right? That's the key thing. And I believe, I, I maybe said this or didn't say this in the last episode, and probably didn't say it clearly enough. Once you identify what those activities are, the 20% is something you want to maximize, like there's a different strategy. You have to have a different strategy for those activities because they give you outsized results. So you want to maximize those. So if you're talking about running and I'm talking, I go back to the, the summer training story I told you. Well, just running and running hard is the 20%. That's going to give you 80% of your fitness. Like the other 80% of all the other stuff you could be doing, that's going to make you better. Like if you can do it, you will be a better runner for having done it. But it's it's the extra stuff right so the way i think about this is when you identify the most important things in the 20% you want to maximize those things and you want to do them as well as you can but for everything else you want to define the minimum so this goes back to what we're talking about you want to define what is the minimum i need to be doing 
with the least amount of effort, the least amount of focus, the least amount of of time and attention that you want to give to it in order to still get the benefits to try to get that extra uh, 20%, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, you, So if you're training, it might be like setting, when you're talking about the 80%, it's about taking all these extra activities like maybe it's your diet or it's your sleep or it's your or it's your hydration or some of these things. And you want to say, look, I don't want to spend all my time focusing on my diet. I can build really effective systems. I'm going to eat in this way. I'm going to define what I'm going to eat in, in, a, in a healthy way. And I'm just going to follow this without having to think about it every day. And that's going to get me enough of the benefit that I want to get from, from my diet or from sleep or from these things. And so when I think of the 80-20 rule, I really do think of it as you you use that to identify what's really important. But then the next step is prioritizing and strategically approaching those activities differently. The really high priority activities, you want to get the most out of them. And then the other activities, you want to figure out what I call systems, which are just things that it's it just it just works. It just happens. It just you just do it every day and you don't think about it. And and the cool thing about systems is that they create the feeling of success. Like if you have a system that says, well, I'm going to do whatever, a, a set of push-ups, right? Every day, something like that. Well, once you do the set of push-ups, you're done and you've had success. You're going to feel successful because you checked it off, right? I, I don't know if I'm articulating this perfectly. I want to stop because I, I want to make sure, does it make sense to you what I'm describing? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I sometimes I feel like, oh, I don't know. Am I rambling? <laughs> no, it's. It, it, I think, it's, it, well, sometimes it's an exploration too. I think, I, I like letting you go sometimes because I want you to explore the concept because a lot of times for everybody else, just so they know, we don't want to pretend to be experts in any of this stuff that we're talking about because even experts, well, they're, they're always learning too and they're always refining their theories or their concepts or their ideas because there's no one size fits all answer or solution for, for anything, for anybody. It, it is a lot of trial and error. So it's fun to listen to how you're trying to work through explaining the 80-20 rule because ultimately there's so many different ways to look at it and to apply it that it it, it requires I think multiple conversations and a lot of attentiveness in terms of when what really works for you and how can you apply it to make it work for you better so I I I think that's totally true and and the tough one is coming up with you know a great example sometimes on the fly I don't I don't always do it but with running it's very easy for me (laughs) right that's really hard to do like with running it's very simple like if you're gonna if you want to be a good distance runner and you got to run and you got to run hard right like that's gonna you got to go out every day and do the work you got to go put in the put in the mileage put in the time and that will give you most of your fitness and then everything else you're doing is refining that fitness right like go ahead yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna say that running is the is one analogy, but the other one that I think a lot of people in in our particular uh, on our audience that would would appeal to them is starting a business too. Starting Absolutely. anything related to entrepreneurial pursuit, specifically starting a business, I think the same rules apply quite well actually to starting a business. You know, so I, I'd like to continue with the running analogy, but I'd like, I'd like to touch on the, the business analogy as well, because I think that from our experiences and what we're learning, and I have another business where I do a lot of just freelance marketing stuff that I'm trying to turn into a small marketing agency, and I'm having a lot different experience, uh, quite a different experience with that versus the apparel brand. And yep. I think a lot of what you're saying actually does does apply to what you're talking about. So. For- no, you're right. Mm-hmm. Like just really briefly, like if you're talking about 
any any athlete, every sport is going to have the key skills or the key ability you need to develop that's really going to set you apart. And you need to be hyper-focused on developing those skills. And that is what's going to really push you to the next level. That's the 20% that gives you 80% of your results. If you're a basketball player, that might be, that's probably effectively shooting, right? Like if, if you're a great shooter, if you can develop your, your skill at shooting, it's going to make a huge difference because as uh, Jalen Rose, a basketball player, likes to say, putting that ball in the bucket is one of the hardest things in sports. It looks easy, but it's really hard, right? Yeah. And, oh my gosh. It's it's hard to be great at it, especially when you're going against the best in the world at stopping you from doing it, right? But for running, it's like, you know, putting in the miles, doing the hard running. And all, the, all these other aspects of your life, whether it's when you think of it as, as, as an athlete, you're talking about your sleep, your hydration, your diet, how you spend your time in, in, in other areas. You don't think of it as part of your training, but it's part of your life and it definitely affects your success. And all those other areas are areas where you want to identify what is enough, like what's the minimum you need to be doing to be successful and then just execute on that. And the great thing about doing that and taking that approach is that it just is every day you just feel successful. You just like you've defined what it means to be successful at these minimum things. You don't have to put a lot of extra thought or energy into them. You just do them, right? And that's it. And, and you become successful. And you put all your energy into the thing that's really going to make a difference, which is really, you know, purposeful practice and focused and, and pushing your limits on the skills that you need to, that are going to actually take you to the next level in terms of the results they're going to create for you. And business is 100% the same. It really is. Oh, you, you're right. Yeah, sorry, sorry to, to interrupt yeah, that or interject here. I just wanted to say, so just to clarify, when you're talking about doing just the, just the minimum, which yep. is represented by the 20% that yields the 80% of the value that we're looking for, right? So it's doing that, doing whatever that minimum is, being okay with doing the minimum, but also understanding that the minimum you're looking for is the minimum of everything that you're doing, what's that, the, the few things that you know for sure are going to yield the greatest results and accepting the fact that you're not going to probably get to the other 80% of things that you need to do and that you shouldn't worry about it because that other 80% really isn't going to yield as much of the results as you're looking for. And ultimately, we all should be results driven because in terms of certain things, a lot of things that we're working on in terms of what this really is applicable to, so it's that 20% that we're, what you're trying to identify. And then the coolest thing I think you said is maximizing how effective you are at doing that 20% you know, of the work that needs to be done. Let's just say you're working out as an athlete or running a bit, trying to grow a business or run a business. It's what is that 20% and focus on that because that's going to give you the majority of the results anyway. Uh, that you are looking for, but it's going to give you the, those results that you're looking for. And, and that's what you want to focus on anyway. And, and I think that's a really exciting thing to just hammer home yeah. is that 20%, which represents the minimum, yields the maximum value. And you want to do that as well as you possibly can and get exactly. that done first and prioritize that. Well, this is so, beautiful. So we have this, you, this is the basic, the basic concept is, is, identify what's important, maximize your effort and your focus and the approach to, to that 20% that, 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 to what's really important. And then everything else, just figure out the minimum, right? Figure out what is the minimum and accept that the minimum is okay. Do the minimum every day. Re make sure you're doing the minimum. 
And if you can do more, that's great. But you don't want to you don't want to be putting a lot of mental energy into trying to do more of those things because they don't give you a lot of benefit, right? You want to set the minimum, do the minimum, be successful doing the minimum every day at whatever level you've decided is appropriate and feel good about it, right? And really feel good about it and know that you're getting what you need out of it. And the great thing is you're getting what you need out of it without putting any any extra effort, right? Right. And, and it's freeing you to focus on what's really important. And strategic, like thinking that way about what you're working on, you can take that approach in your job. In your job, you're going to have a hundred things to do. Some of those things are going to generate more revenue or they're going to generate more, whatever the goal is for your role. Like not everybody's in the, in the business of generating revenue, right? But whatever the ideal output of your, of your role is, some of those activities are going to make a bigger difference, right? And you need to figure out how to create the time and space to put your energy into those things. And the one thing that stops us from doing that is by putting too much time and energy onto all the other things that aren't that important. So like if you can take all these other things that you agree with your manager, with your team, with your company, with your colleagues, that, that these are not critical. They need to get done, but they're not really that critical. So let's let's establish what's the minimum amount of quality we need to put into it or what's the minimum amount of time we need to spend on it or what's the minimum amount of whatever. Define that and then just try to do it and just set it up in a way where you can do it as with as little thought as possible, with a little as little mental energy as possible. You're just going to mm-hmm. execute and plow through it. And by doing that, in in theory, in principle, like you, you're getting yourself to a point where you're freeing your mind to focus on the really important stuff. And you're freeing your energy to do a good job on the things that actually move the needle, right? Yep. Yeah. And I think this is not an easy thing. I'm, it's all conceptual. Like when you sit down and you try to figure this out for your company, it might be obvious and it might not. When I worked at Apple, we had specific reports that we knew were used by so much of the company that we had to prioritize them and work on them and, and modify them and update them and, and make sure they're correct and whatever we were doing. And there were a lot of other tasks where it was actually pretty easy to say, you know what, like we could probably do this once a week and just not stress it. Like just let's just bucket all this stuff and just do it once a week for two hours and let's just not even let's just not even get worked up about the fact that that we have to do it or anything. And we weren't trying to be mathematical, like oh, there's this percent of value comes out of this, and this you know it was just it's just a rough prioritization. Like we, you kind of know, like this is really important. This moves the needle. This isn't. So how can I do this in the minimum way that still allows me to be successful? And I just think <laughs> that's that's the way to think about strategically applying the 80-20 rule in a very general sense in whatever you're trying to, to, to do. And I still haven't, it's so funny. I have these other ideas that I wanted to, to share. Uh, actually, I want to do it quickly because I just, I want to move on for the next topics, but I think we'll, we'll come back to 80-20 over time, I'm sure, because it's going to pop into every other conversation. But yeah, we plan on being around for a while, Brian. So yeah. good, man. I mean, we're going to touch on this stuff because it's, these are things that again, I'll keep saying it. We're always going to keep talking about this. We're going to keep coming back to it because even if, you know, we technically exhaust a topic, which I feel like is really hard to do with things like personal growth. You got to be reminded. And that's what go be more. Why we want to put it on apparel. It's not just because we wanted to create an apparel brand. It's because we want to literally put it somewhere so that you see it every day or every time you see it. It's this thing that reminds you. It's this little nudge in the right direction towards your dreams you know and so these conversations need to be repeated so that we can stay on top of our thoughts stay on top of what we should be thinking of that's going to get us to where we ultimately dream of being one day yeah so 
these the next two things they definitely relate to 8020 they relate to minimums they relate to all the concepts we've been talking about and i want to share them one the first one is actually great feedback from one of my students and it's very much related to the 8020 rule and he's a designer he's an engineer and he works in design and when we we did this topic in my class and had a homework and other thing and he said that for him the 8020 rule is if he has 2 hours to work on a design instead of spending those 2 hours working on one design he tries to make five different rough drafts of a design in that two hours. Mm-hmm. Totally different things, right? So he'll explore five different concepts, five different angles on how he could approach this design problem. And it, they'll, be, they'll just be sketches. He's not trying to design the thing. He, he's not trying to finish the project. But he has come to the conclusion that it's much better to have five designs, five different designs, and then figure out which one is the best for whatever the reasons those are. And then from there, pursue finishing that design and, and refining it and doing whatever he needs to do. Mm-hmm. And, and and his argument, and I think it totally makes sense because this is how I approach writing often, is 80% of the value is in having the rough outline of what you want to achieve. The rest of the 20% is filling in the gaps and polishing it and making it look really nice. And you can get that main idea through a sketch sometimes. You can spend one-fifth of the time and and sort of get the get the main uh, foundation of what your what your final product's going to be. So I, we were having this conversation, and I I literally this week I I said you know what I I have done this before. I'm going to do the same thing, and I just spent some time and I wrote out outlines for five different blog posts, right? And I found at the end I was like, oh, I can go in any direction now. I can pick whatever whichever one I feel like writing. I can actually write the blog, right? I can actually finish that one. But the other five, the other four are just sitting there, and they're eighty percent done, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not that hard to fill in the gaps of a, of a no, blog post. No, it's not. It's- and that's the, that's what I find is has been a challenge for me, content creation wise. And until re- like literally just like the other day, it hit me, and I'm going, gosh, if I just got it started, if I just created the draft or the t- started the template, even if I just opened up Google Doc, put a title into the thing and put down a couple thoughts, just a couple like bullet point thoughts. I could t- t- totally, or even just like, this is what I think I want the article to be about, about like write two or three sentences about that. And then boom. And then just step back for a second, look at it. I feel like I've literally cl- completed 80% of it because I feel like 80% of the work is just getting in a position to sit down and do it. It's just the weirdest thing. And I felt like the other That's 20%, it. I'm like, next time I go and look at it, brrr, boom. And then the the last five percent is just going back and refine it, double checking, fact checking, references, clean it up, throw it up. And I'm like, you, wow, I, yeah. I, I'm like, why couldn't I have done this sooner? And I'm like, well, it's because I I believed that that first step was not as valuable as I was making it. It's huge. It's astronomical how important that first step is. No matter what that step is, take a step, even if it's literally just open up Google Docs and titling the the document. For an, a, a future article, you win. I really do believe you win. I think you're going to get it done. You dramatically increase the chances of getting it done. Uh, do you know what the number is of doing something like that? Like what the statistics are? Oh uh, no, but I think this is something that I, I believe very strongly, and I and this idea of micro steps. Right? If you're if you want to write an article, just we're using this as the example, but you want to get something done. Literally opening up the document and writing the name of or writing some uh, template subject or something. 
you know, when I talked about 80-20 in the last one, I talked about next level 80-20. So there's the there's the 20% that drives the most value. But if you looked at those all those activities within the 20%, you could even refine them more by picking a different metric to, to prioritize them, right? So maybe these are the 20% of activities that drive the most revenue. But now when you drive within those 20%, you could say, well, what are the ones that are the most time effective, right? Like, so the one I can get the most value for the least amount of time. And now I can prioritize that one because now I'm getting, not only am I getting good value, out of the results I'm getting, I'm doing it in less time and I can prioritize doing. So you can, you can do next level to 20. And what you're saying here is very similar. It's like, okay, maybe the 20% that you need to get done first is an outline. Okay. Well, you can't have an outline until you get this, the document open, right? So you got to yeah. open the document and you got to, you got to write a title and you got to start something, right? And that is the trigger that's going to allow you to make the outline. And then once you've made the outline, it's just a matter of filling in the blanks. You you can decide to do that if you if if you like the outline enough, you you do it. If you don't like the outline, whatever you 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 wait. Maybe you spent a little time, but you didn't spend all your time writing something that you didn't like. You wrote enough to know that you didn't want to pursue it any further. Yeah. And and what you said is really key. It's another aspect of this is the idea of templates. The idea of of creating a an outline that is consistent or universal for the thing that you're trying to solve like is there a template you can apply to the problem that you're trying to solve if it's a blog post is there an outline for your blog post that you believe work that you can basically plug and play all the all the content into if is it social media is there a design that you think is really strong and effective that you can apply to your posts on Instagram or, or is there a strategy that you have for approaching potential clients like a a a step-by-step sales call that you, the, the steps you want to go through. Once you templatize that stuff, that's the 80-20 of what you're trying to do. You've already outlined, you've already gotten 80% there because you know loosely what you're going to say. You don't know all the details because the details come from the actual interaction, right? Like the, the actual content. The, that's the last part where you have to, you, you might have to spend the rest of the 80% of the time filling in that extra 20%, right? Like it's, sure. I don't want to make it sound like the 80-20 rule just solves everything because you know, it only gets you 80% there, right? It's not, what? it's not 100% It doesn't there. solve everything? It doesn't solve everything, no. But All I right, think... boo, you lost me. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> what a wasted podcast. <laughs> ah, over, next. Where's the but rock? <laughs> if you can get this 20% done, you know, a template is a great example of this. A trigger that gets you to initiate the behavior that you want to do is a great example of this. Like something like uh, tying your exercise to your shower, for example, that might be the 20% of what you need to do to get you to actually take the actions you want to do, right? To get, mm-hmm. it gets you 80% of the way done, right? I don't know. I'm making, I'm sort of uh, coming off the cuff, but I think, I think you, and I think everybody listening will, can, can, will come up with tons of examples when you start thinking this way, right? About how to, how to identify what's important, how to prioritize that and how to think strategically about getting the most out of it. And then how to take everything else and try to make that stuff be successful by defining the minimum. And I think if yeah. you can do that as a way of viewing the world, as a way of viewing the problems, you will you will just slowly start to think about them differently and I think more effectively. I love it. I'm not even going to tell the Warren Buffett story on this one. We're going to save it. People have to keep listening and we'll talk about that on another podcast uh, because that, teaser, teaser, yeah, teaser. It's alert. a teaser. Yeah. Like, you know, subscribe uh, and you'll get the, you'll get the great Warren Buffett story in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> until, until next time. You all John, I think we should end it here. I think tight. this is, 
I love when these kind of go off topic, but on brand, you know, like it's, it's the stuff that we yeah. care a lot about and it's not what we expected to talk about. So I really enjoyed this one. Thank you for uh, a great conversation and let's wrap it up here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just to, just to remind everybody, no doubt about it. You know, we, we, we do have things in place and we're putting things in place to keep you on, on point as it relates to chasing your dreams and just improving yourself as a person and just uh, continuing to grow as a person. Check out the apparel store, gobemore.co. Really check it out. Give it, you know, support us. You know, it really means a lot to us to be able to do what we're doing. And we want to keep doing it. We want to keep getting better at doing it. So I just want to put it out there. We, we won't always try to plug the apparel, but, you know, I'll, I'll do it shamelessly all the time. But, <laughs> but in, in, in reality, it's really important that we constantly clarify that the story behind our apparel brand for sure is that those three words um, have so much meaning and there's such a great story behind it. You can find out so much about why you should buy the apparel by going to our website and reading the story, learning about our team, the small team that we have behind it. This is co-owned and, and co-founded by Brian and myself. Uh, so technically it's, it's, it's a black owned business for sure. So support us, support us in what's going on. We're recording this podcast right around the time of the George Floyd uh, murder and the protests and riots surrounding that. And we want to keep spreading love and positivity and, and inspiring you guys to keep pushing yourself to be the best version of yourself. Ultimately, we are the light of the world. And everything that we do individually matters. And we believe in all of you. We believe in your dreams. Your dreams matter. And our apparel will remind you of that every single day. So with that being said, let's all go be more and become what the world is chasing together. And love you guys. Love you too, John. Talk to you later. (laughs) Bye. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find links to any articles or items we referenced in the show notes. Please subscribe and be sure to give us a rating. And remember to tell a friend about the show. The Gobi Moore podcast is produced by Gobi Moore Apparel. Check us out at gobimore.co. For all of us at Gobi Moore, we are what the world is chasing, and we hope this podcast helps you become what the world is chasing too.